You're listening to The Setup Podcast, a podcast that helps you navigate new topics in music, tech, and entrepreneurship with the most disruptive professionals in the music industry turning their experiences working behind the scenes into actionable advice you can use. I'm Sydney. And I'm Sam. And we're your hosts for The Setup Podcast. If you're like us, passionate about paving your own path, hit the subscribe button on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite app because we'll help set you up for success at The Setup Podcast. I want to say a quick shout out to our amazing listeners. Truly, I created this podcast to help those who are new to the industry, just like I was once. And I'm very happy to learn that I can also provide insight to those who have been in music for a while. I want to give another shout out to all of our new listeners of The Setup Podcast. Thanks for tuning in. In case anyone missed last week, we learned how Ariana and the Rose stayed active between albums to engage with her fans and increase her following, specifically on TikTok. How you like them apples? Well, I really liked her. I thought she was very candid and open about what she was doing. What, well, actually, one of the biggest takeaways that I got from it was that it's important to note that you don't have to be really good at everything. You will burn out if you're constantly doing everything, such as social media and creating music. But I think there are some things that she does that felt a little bit more less or less like a chore and more fun for her. And I think if others can do the same, like and stay in front of their fans and followers, um, they'll just create that much of a bond, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just important that, and I love how she expressed this too, that she just started becoming herself and it became easier. And I know it's easier said than done. <laughs> I I think that she had a, a good rhythm and um, also just planning ahead. Who do we have this week? Cheyenne Powell. She founded her own company after working for Madison House as a booking agent and Fest Ticket as account manager. Now Cheyenne handles the PR and career strategy for artists in collaboration with Wiz Khalifa under the Taylor Gang label. Today, we learn how Cheyenne used press coverage to get Fed the God verified with over 2 million streams for the release of Yeah Yup. Hello. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for doing this this morning. Oh my gosh. No worries. Any Uh, earlier though, we might've not made it, but (laughs) I'm just like, okay, she's in Pacific. So let's see. I'll just ask. (laughs) Where are you guys? You're in Colorado now, right? Or I'm in Denver. Samantha's in Chicago. I'm still in Chicago. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. So we're all over the place. Um, I'm actually going back to Chicago next week. So I'm really excited. Fun. Yeah, I was just in Chicago three or four weeks ago for a wedding. Yeah, mm. so I'm originally from Detroit, but I was in Denver for two years. And then I moved out here the mm-hmm. same time Steph actually moved out here because he moved mm. out here for the the same position. Or not same position, Festive, but same company. Festive, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was in Denver, but I was in Denver during the pandemic and I was like, this fucking sucks. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, I moved here last, last June and honestly, I had a good summer, but... Now I'm like, uh, I don't know what to do. I don't have any friends. I'm not trying to go to bars and restaurants yet. So it's been, yeah. it's been kind of, uh, I wouldn't say miserable because it's still Denver. It's not Chicago. Like the weather's still decent right, right yeah. now. How do you like LA? 
Oh, I love it. I'm like a city person though. Like New York, LA probably till I die. Um, so it's nice to like be in the warm weather, but I also just like being surrounded by like the industry. Like everybody's out here. Um, if I need something, it's here. Um, I'm constantly meeting new people. And I think one thing about Denver is I was like stuck in a rut. I was like stuck by people who were actually like motivating me or like I had like just reached like the tip top. I've networked with as many people as I could possibly reach. Like I knew what like my potential was there. And I was so now here, it's like I'm constantly like pushed by like people who are above me. Um, and so I needed that. So it's good to it's good to be here. Yeah. That's really good to hear. I'm the opposite of you. I cannot imagine living in LA or New York. (laughs) (laughs) Most people can't, I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Like I honestly thought I was a uh, city person, but I mean, I really have only lived in a city for like a couple of years and then Mm -hmm. I lived outside of it. And I Mm. really, I really enjoy living in Denver. Like I really enjoy that. I don't feel the pressure of living in the city and I'm so close to like so many things anyways. So I, I I think we're going to be here for a while. Um, we just got to like meet people. I I'm so grateful for people like you that are willing to share your insight because I feel like although it's changing a little bit, there's still a lot of people that don't want to share like what they've learned unless you're paying them to work with them. A hundred percent. Yeah. You meet a lot of people, right. Who feel I don't know. It's kind of like, I don't know if it's like an ego thing, but you meet a lot of people who don't want to like share like their tips and tricks or like how they got here. And I was just talking about this with someone last night. And it's like a lot of artists, like there's so much talent out there, but it's hard for them to find people who believe in them or who are willing to help them without like getting paid. I mean, if you really think about it, like we all got here because someone took a chance on us and like, we didn't have the money to pay them and stuff. So you meet the people who are like really sheltered when it comes to that, but I'm super thankful for the people who are willing to like help and share. Yeah. And I think those people go above and beyond and will make it in the long run compared to the ones who stay secretive about I it. I agree. I agree because Same. people see that you're a good person, especially when you're doing conversations like this where they're longer form. They see the value in you as an, a professional in the industry, even if it's not. Mm-hmm. A musician that can pay you right away. It can be through relationships. It can be through right. a future job or a client. And but like it's more of a long game. And I don't think people realize that they see like the quick buck. Our generation are the ones that are giving all these free insight and like education and like tips on social media. Whereas people who are a little bit older, well, one, they might not even care about social media or like be a part of right. it. But like, they're part of the generation that's like, you pay big companies to help you out. There's, there wasn't like, indies can like make it as, but now it's different. Yeah, hundred percent. And one thing I like to know is when we're younger, right. And we're getting into the industry, same thing with like artists is like, you look up to like all these big people, right? Like Kanye and Jay-Z's and the people helping them. And you're like, oh my gosh, I want to be in the same room as them. And like, don't get me wrong, like, it's great to be in the same room as them. And like, everyone has that goal. But at the end of the day, like, we're actually helping the generation below us, because those people don't necessarily need our help, because they've already made it right, like they could shut off tomorrow and still be extremely successful. And so I think the older we get, especially with our generation, we'll find ourselves wanting to help the ones below us, because they're the ones that actually need the help. Yeah. So we'd love to know more about you. How did you get started? Yeah, so my story is kind of like all over the place, but I'm originally from Michigan. I went to Michigan State for interior design. And my sophomore year, I got really into like music and I was like, how do I com- like combine the two of them? And so I got an internship for set design working for a production company. Um, and my first 
festival was Electric Forest. And so they brought me on and I learned like all the ins and outs of like set design. And then, yeah. By the way, that's such a badass role to learn set design on because yes. like right? that festival. It, it, so it was weird. So I was actually going to come to Colorado that summer. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get out of Michigan. I'm going to come to Colorado, work with like some promoting companies, see what I can do. But like up to then, I was like applying to like all like these set design positions. And the day that I was getting ready to sign my sublease, Electric Forest called me, like this production company that works for them. And they're like, hey, Cheyenne, like we got your resume. We'd love to bring you on. Like it was going to be the year that Electric Forest was like two weekends. And I was, yep. they're like, you'd be on site for like a month. Um, and we'll teach you everything that you need to know, X, Y, and Z. And I was like, oh my gosh, sold. So mm-hmm. I didn't actually end up going to Colorado that summer. I just like figured it out. I went to Electric Forest. They taught me like the ins and outs of like all the set design, which was super cool. I made super good connections. And then honestly, a month after that, I went to a Rise Music Festival, which was a festival in Colorado at the time. And I also had an internship with them for like a week and a half. And that was super cool. But through all of that, um, with the production company, they brought me on full time the next year. And then also like nine months after I graduated. So I was like touring with them and I was doing all like these big festivals underneath Live Nation and then like Madison House. We did Okeechobee at the time. And I worked my way up into like artist relations. And it was at that time where I was like meeting all these managers and these artists and tour managers. And I was like, you know, I really want to work in like the business side. So then I came out to LA in 2019 and had an internship with a company called Prodigy Management. And they do like whipped cream and slander and nightmare at the time. And so I really learned like the ins and outs of that. And I was also a journalist for three years. So I was already learning like the PR and like media side of things. And I took all those experiences and went to Colorado where I worked for Madison House, which is like a booking agency. And I was only there for like four or five months. And at the time I was like, that was like a dream of mine was to like work for Madison House. And so I was super excited to be there. Um, I felt like I was really hitting like that next level, but then COVID hit. And so all of us lost our positions in touring. And when we lost our positions in touring, everyone's like, Cheyenne, maybe like this is the time, right? Like that you don't work in music. Like maybe you find something else. Maybe you go back into interior design. Like all of these what ifs, right? Because music was just like shutting down and I couldn't Mm -hmm. find anything to do. And I was like, absolutely not. And so that's when I started the Rose Project. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to figure this out myself. Um, I started at the time with another designer who's actually out of New York, but she's no longer with us anymore. Like she's crushing it. She's doing a bunch of like production stuff now. But we launched it. We did like a live stream with like 12 artists, like Freddie Todd was on there, Marvel Years, um, Bronze Wheel was on there. And we just raised money to give back to these artists, especially because we were in COVID and they didn't have anything. And then then that led into like a women's panel and then a bunch of like branding projects because we had like this huge design background. And I think for the first year, it was a lot of like trying to figure out exactly what our place was in the industry. Um, and what we could do, because I had all this experience, right? So I could go any direction. And it was in this last year where we really pivoted into what I would call a creative agency. So we have the PR department, we have the management department, and then we have like the creative strategy department. And on the PR side, uh, we run with like Taylor Gang, we do all their indie artists, we have two hip hop artists out of Denver, we work with an electronic act out of New York, um, and then a couple. Uh, smaller acts that come to us here and there. And then on the management side, I work with a filmmaker, Stephen Knight, and then co-manage an act called Essex, who's out in New York. And then on the creative stuff, we still do like a ton of brands. So we've worked with dozens of like artists with like their brand strategy for content, logos, et cetera. 
Um, but yeah, our main focus right now is like the management and PR side of things. And then through all of that, I actually, while I was trying to grow Rose Project to what it is now, um, got connected with Event Genius by Fest Ticket, came on last January as a national account manager. So I was overseeing like all the events. And we were working with like Country Thunder, Coachella, Stagecoach, like three points from Insomniac and a lot of events all over Canada, Michigan, or Michigan, United States <laughs> and Mexico. And then it wasn't until this last December where I was like, okay, I need to make a decision. Like both the companies were growing at an insane rate. And so January was the first month that I went full-time with Rose Projects. And so now that's where I'm at. That's so exciting. I remember seeing that on LinkedIn thinking, oh my God, good for her. <laughs> because I remember when we last spoke, I want to say like a year, year and a half ago. Yeah. Um, that's when you were first starting it and just getting it ramped up. And I cannot imagine like, how do you have the time and how do you manage your time for real? I'm actually curious. <laughs> um, so I don't have a ton of time. That's the thing. Probably why I battle with like anxiety sometimes. <laughs> All that coffee. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm very disciplined with like my time. Um, there's a lot of like, I get up at like 536 in the morning. I have like a daily routine. Wow. I have a specific schedule that I do every single day. And I think that really allows me to get everything in. I do have an intern and I'm looking to bring on two design interns. We're going through the interview process right now. And a goal of mine by the end of summer is to have a full-time social media manager and a full-time designer. Because at the end of the day, you just can't do all of this yourself. You need a team, but you obviously have to get to the point where you can pay that team, right? So it's growing, but a lot of help, a lot of discipline. I miss out on a lot of things. Like I haven't made Christmas in like the last three, four years. Birthdays like are kind of non-existent. Mm. But when you have that vision of like, I'm going to be disciplined now so that in 10 years, you know, I can celebrate. That's kind of like my mindset. Work hard now, play hard later. But yeah, I just, I think that I just have a really set schedule. I know exactly what I want. Um, time management. I have a notebook here actually where I break up every single hour of like what I'm doing. Like even to the point where it's like 6 a.m. wake up, 7 a.m. go to the gym, 8 a.m. get ready, 9 a.m. first meeting, like down to like 8 p.m. where it's like, okay, close my computer and like read for 30 minutes. So I'm like insane. Like it's nuts, but I read a lot of like, podcast or I guess I listen to a lot of podcasts I read a lot of inspirational books and like people who are like above me right and successful and I take a lot of tips of like how they got there and I just found the thing that worked for me and I started running with it I was actually going to ask you that if you had a planner wrote it down in some way because I'm less yeah. um, disciplined now and I feel like my days can be a little chaotic but like two years ago up until like I moved here I was like strict like you with like the mm. hours and I swore by it because it really keeps you on track. And like the more you plan out your day where you're not working on all these little tasks that come across your desk, it saves so much time. Like don't check your yes. email a million times a day. Right. We don't have to be on Instagram like an hour. And I found myself like, look, I actually have it right here where it's like times. It's so great. Um, I think you get this at like Target too. So it's not crazy expensive, but like I feel, I felt like if I didn't plan out my day or even my week of like goals that needed to get done, I found myself on social media for like an hour or like doing random things. And it's just like, if I don't have, if I'm not moving with intention, like I'm not getting things done. And so it's as simple as putting your phone on do not disturb because everything I'm doing is through email anyways. And if I have to be on a meeting, then it's going to be on my computer. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, there's definitely days where I like mess up and I'm like, okay, I need to get back on track tomorrow. But I mean, especially when you're in charge of like when the bills come in, like you really don't have a decision. You kind of have to put your head down and keep moving forward. Absolutely. Tell me, how was that transition going from, you know, working for someone else to fully working for yourself? Yeah. So it's nerve wracking, right? Like that promise pay, like you don't, you're not like reporting to somebody, like someone's not telling you what to do, right? Like it's nervous when you leave that. But for me, I've always had the mindset where it's like, okay, I can't work in a corporate position. Like I'm not a nine, five person. I'm clearly like a six to nine. And then like a six to midnight type person. Um, I work on the weekends, I think outside the box. So deep down, I always knew that I was going to do this. It was just putting myself in a position where I could survive off of it. So I was actually like very excited. It was like the last few months of like the corporate position where I was having conversations with like the VP and the team knew that I was always going to make this leap. They just didn't know when. And so when the time came, I was like very excited. Like, I think I might've cried like one night. Cause I was like, okay, like I've worked so hard the past six to eight years where like, I can finally do this. It's going to be a hustle and it's going to be a grind, but like, I was ready for it because one thing that's hard for me is like, I do have such a creative mindset and like, I'm always thinking of ideas. And so when I see something that doesn't work and like I present something else and someone shuts it down, they're like, no, this is like the only way that we can do it. Like, I don't work really well in that. And I was like, Mm -hmm. you know, I just need to like leave and do my own thing. So I was excited. Um, Some days, some days I wake up and I'm like, "Mm, did I make the right decision? But most days I'm like, yeah, I'm going to make this work. Yeah, I I love that because you have the the typical entrepreneur um, mindset, just always ideas like um, brainstorming, flowing and just thinking about the next thing. And I think that's so important um, to actually have the space and capacity to actually execute and perform if you want to. Yeah, definitely. And I have a lot of people to thank for that, right? Like I have a lot of people where I'll call and we'll just have like creative sessions or like a lot of mentors and people I can look up to. So even though like I'm a one man team with like interns, I definitely have a lot of help on like the outside and people I can look up to and they keep me going definitely, especially like on the bad days. Yeah. So who was the first client that you landed for Rose? And then also how did that relationship form? Yeah. So the first client for Rose, when we first started, um, I want to say it was Chaw, who goes by Christian Hoff in Detroit. I don't know if you guys have heard of him or not, but he is literally one of my favorite people ever. He's incredible. His energy is like 10 out of 10. Um, he used to work at iHeartRadio, was like a radio host. Now he's like a DJ and tours for like this pop-up event and stuff, but he was looking for brand design. And so he was one of our first clients for like the creative side of things. And I didn't like, I knew design, um, but I didn't really understand like the structure of like pricing it out and like invoices mm-hmm. and you know, deliverables and like timeframes and stuff like that. And so, um, bless his soul, but he was one of the ones who like really worked with us along the way and he was positive about it. And he was our first client. And through that process, I really learned like, okay, you know, these are timelines. This is actually what our rate should be. You know, this is how we should proceed with like our onboarding process and then like our exiting. And then through that, we were able to just network with a lot of Detroit artists who actually also needed a lot of branding services um, and then it wasn't until when should I say March of last year 
where I got connected. Well, I actually got connected with Taylor Gang prior to that when I was like networking like crazy. Um, the agent that I worked with at Madison House actually used to um, be the agent for the head of digital now is one of his artists. And so it was like a weird connection. Um, and so he connected me. And so we just stayed connected for like four or five months. I was always reaching out like, Hey, this is our updated website. You know, this is our new client. Check it out. We did this design project. Uh, and he hit me up of March of last year. I was like, Hey, Cheyenne, um, you know, you do PR, right? Like you were a writer and stuff. And I was like, yeah, like we haven't been able to like land a PR client just yet, but we definitely do. I have all the resources and know exactly what I'm doing X, Y, Z. We had like an hour long conversation because his PR guy, they had just let him go because he wasn't doing really well. And he's like, mm. Taylor Gang is looking for a publicist, like an in-house publicist. You would work with like all of our indie artists. Like, you know, could you send me all of your stuff? Like I'll go to Will, who's like the manager of all of them and like have a discussion with him. And inside I was like freaking out. I was like, oh <laughs> yeah. my God, Taylor Gang, what? Yes, like sign me up. And so I got all the information over to him, um, like rates, told him what I could do. And yeah, later that night he hit me up and he was like, Hey, Will's in the team wants you on board. Like, can we set up a call next week? And it was, that opened so many doors for me. And like, until my last day, I'll always be extremely thankful for Taylor gang and like for Will and then and Irving taking a chance on me because for like the size of Taylor gang, right. Like everyone knows who Taylor gang is. Like they could have worked with anybody, anybody way more experienced, you know, they've have insane connections and they really took a chance on me. And I think that kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier, right? It's like a lot of these artists just need somebody to take a chance and to believe in them and to see their vision and like their end goals and stuff. And Taylor gang did that for me. And they really worked with me along the, the way. Like I was still learning, working with them. They gave me tips, you know, they allowed me to like network and connect with other people. And, you know, having Taylor gang on the portfolio has really allowed me to gain other clients and stuff. And so I would say Chop was my first client ever, but Taylor gang was our first PR client ever. Mm, yeah. And it really helped you break through. So, um, first off, did you think that you would be working in the hip hop genre? Yes. A hundred percent. Yeah. So I had a ton of experience in electronic music. Right. Um, and I've worked with so many electronic acts. I still work with electronic acts and like even my filmmaker that I work with, he works with electronic acts, but deep down, I knew I was a hip hop girl and I think for me, what I loved about the electronic side was the set design because you can get so creative, right? With the stage design, the visuals, the events themselves. And I'm obsessed with that world, but the music and the lyrics and the history that I was attracted to was hip hop. Um, And coming from Detroit, I'm a huge Eminem fan, huge Big Sean fan. And so it only made sense. So I knew that I was going to work in that industry at some point. And now it's opened up my doors and I work with mainly all hip hop acts and I love it so much. You know, I love about hip hop artists and their teams. Like they're from, I mean, I haven't personally worked with anyone hip hop, but (laughs) I've talked to a lot of people that have, and it just feels like the motivation, the drive and the collaboration is there. And like, Mm -hmm. they're willing to put in the work and that's the coolest thing. I think that's what makes a project go far. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, you get that Well, somebody told me a long time, right? It's like, you get that in all the genres, right? It's just, you pay attention to it more with the genre that you're more passionate about. And so I've definitely worked with electronic acts. I mean, I work with one now who's extremely passionate and puts his all into it. But with, I don't know, it's like, 
the hip hop side, I don't know, it's just a little more real and raw to me and like the history behind it. Um, and obviously there's a little more aspects to like the hip hop side than there is with like the electronic, right? Because with the electronic, you can just, you know, use Ableton and make like all these sounds and noises yeah. and stuff, unless you're collaborating with writers and publishers and stuff. But with hip hop, you have a lot more people who are part of the project as a whole. Um, and I think with like the hip hop, I was just drawn to that. And I think, you know, I'm also like very invested into like the creative side of like fashion and like streetwear and stuff. And you see that a little bit more with mm. the hip hop. Um, so yeah, it was just like a really cool crossover that I was able to get inside of. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about the release that you worked on back in April. Um, yeah. Yup. Yeah. <laughs> Love saying that. <laughs> yeah, with all of my transitions. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah. Yup. Yep. Um, with Fet the Guide. How did that relationship form then? Was that the first artist that you worked with at Taylor Gang? So yeah, a couple of things to know with Taylor Gang is I work with all the indie artists and everyone's always like, oh my gosh, you work with Wiz and yeah. Wiz actually signed to Atlantic Records. So he has like a whole other team that he works with, a whole other PR team too. Um, the only things that I work on with Wiz are if like their collaborations, mm -hmm. for instance, with Bet the God. So the first artist that I actually worked with on Taylor Gang, I'll never forget Ricky P and Sosma, like worked on their collab. And then it was Chevy Woods had another single. And then we were prepping fed the god so fed the god had just got signed to taylor gang the year before so he was super new um a lot of taylor gangs are not familiar is from pittsburgh and so he got connected out there will and all of them are out there will saw him at an event uh, i think the story goes like he was breaking up an event or like a fight and like they all got connected i'll let him <laughs> tell the story he's a little bit better at it but that's how they got connected and so then fed joined in 2020 and then last year he was working on releasing his album and so I'll never forget because Yeah, Yup was the first single that I got to work on that Wiz Khalifa was part of. And I was just sitting there at my computer and I was like, I can't believe this is real. I was like, I'm typing out the press release. <sighs> um, but yeah, like the way that it works is I have weekly meetings with the digital team and the project manager um, over at Taylor Gang. And we talk about all the upcoming releases, um, all the things to prepare for, like within that week, the month, and then like the following month. And we all work together to get the stuff together that we need, whether it's, um, you know, the press release or all the content, the assets, the artwork, getting quotes and talking with the artists to learn more about the project. And yeah, back in April, the digital team was like, hey, Fed's releasing Yeah Yup with Wiz Khalifa. We want to do PR on this one. Can we like get it started? So that's how we kicked off Yeah Yup. So when do you get pulled in though? Um, like, I, I like, you know, there's so many different channels that go into a, a um, release. Do you like, you know, for the press release or when you're reaching out for, to journalists and publications and other, and other outlets for placements, when do you start that? Like how, yeah. how soon before the release? Yeah. So good question. Um, it depends really. Like I try to give two weeks minimum, which is like still like very too close to the release yeah. date. Um, so three to four weeks is like the time frame that I really like to give. It's not always the, it doesn't always happen like that. You get a lot of artists, right. Who are very last minute. And they're like, Hey, all of a sudden I'm releasing this new PR. Um, journalists don't love that. Publications don't love that. They like enough lead time. So I like to give three or four weeks. So the process is really like, okay, we have this single, um, we're releasing it in three or four weeks. And so then I'll learn more about the single or the release itself whether that's talking to the team or the artist. 
and then I'll create the press release and we'll really talk about like what our goals are of this. Um, and there's been a lot of different releases where some of their goals are like, yeah, we want to get on all of these publications or we want to get two or three interviews or we want to be on these podcasts or, you know, like we want to, you know, get all of this press so that we can, you know, pitch it to our agents. So then we can also like get on tour. There's a lot of like different moving parts to it. So I really like to be goal focused and like know like what their end goal is and like what we want to do with this release and what the other things are that they're doing with this release, et cetera. And so three to four weeks out, um, we'll start prepping. I'll get the press release together, get approval on it, and then start pitching it to a lot of like media outlets, letting them know the situation. Um, I like to also get like other things that they're doing, you know, like maybe they have a pop-up event or they they have a new brand deal or they're getting ready to go on tour. So this is all their tour dates. And so really hyping it up with anything extra that we can provide. And then in between that lead time up to release is really just networking with a lot of media outlets, seeing what they want to mm -hmm. do. If they want to do like pre-awareness so that they're like hyping up their audience, like, mm -hmm. hey, Fed's going to release this in like a week, stay tuned. Or if they want to do like an interview, some people have podcasts. So it's really like being that middleman of like getting enough coverage, connecting the media outlets with the artists if they do want to do something of like an interview or just making sure that they're ready to release the coverage come release date. And then on release date, um, I tap in with all of them to make sure they have everything they need, still good, you know, send them any updated links that they might need, and then they'll send me the coverage. And then me and Taylor Gang and I will recap everything at like the end of the day. Um, and we'll continue to push PR through like post week to get any of like those last minute things. Yeah. Cause sometimes people can't get stuff up until a couple of days later or, there's a podcast that might not go live until the following Friday. So we're still pretty active on the release. Mm -hmm. um, and Taylor Gang's team is really good at like spending the next few weeks still pushing the release, even sometimes months after. And so I also have um, a system that I input like all of our releases on and like all of our coverage so that I can provide them analytics so that they can see some sort of data improvement from the release so that they know that it wasn't just like, you know, a couple pieces that are here, here. like this is how many pieces of coverage we actually have you know this is the estimated amount of views this is how many people have shared these coverages um so a lot of like data that I also provide them so it's not just like a cutoff right day. that's very important and I think that in a lot of ways so like that's lacking a little bit with the data I I need to ask about the goals like you know depending on if their goals are to tour or to land interviews or to land specific placements how does that affect like your press release or who you reach out to? Yeah, good question. So it depends, right? Like for Edan, his album, right? Like they were really, really big on like him wanting to like get on a podcast. And so instead of like, we still pitched like all the publications, right? And we got their coverage and stuff. But his big goal was like, I really want to get on a podcast. So we just like pitched to a bunch of like hosts who had like podcasts. Mm. Same thing with like Fed and Chevy and them. Like we've got them on like Herb, which like it does a podcast. Um, Rep Fiesta does a podcast. So really we take in their goals and then we see what outlets are available for them. And we target like those outlets. Um, sometimes it's really just like, hey, we just need to get X amount of coverage. And that's like our goal for this one. So then we'll just focus on the media, you know, like Hip Hop DX, Hip Hop and More, um, Billboard, like all the ones who will like cover the press but it depends and then if they are more focused on touring or like maybe they just got an agent maybe we'll do a PR blast so there's like a couple different things that um you can look at to 
target the PR campaign a little differently? I guess it kind of depends, like potentially on geography, like what media outlets might be in that location or genre. So how do you make your information stand out to those media outlets? Or is there some kind of rhyme or reason or like (laughs) some kind of strategy you use? I think that's one thing that all publicists are trying to do, right? Like, how do I stand out compared to everybody else? Yeah. Um, The number one thing I'm going to say is like, it really is relationship building. Um, You have to go out and make those relationships. You have to find ways to really stand out and have some sort of connection. Because a lot of like these journalists and publications and media outlets are getting hundreds of like submissions, right? And there's different ways. So I email people personally. There's other things called something as like Submit Hub where it has like Mm -hmm. a list of like curators and some people only want you to submit through there. And then you have like a 48 hour time period and you'll get like your answer, like no ifs, ands, or buts. It's just yes or no. So for me, it's been a lot of relationship building. And I think one thing that's helped me is like always showing support. So like if someone shows us support, I make sure to always show them support. And like that's blasting them on social media, giving like the writers a shout out. Maybe they need some sort of like merch gear or maybe they need help with something. And one thing that I like to do is stay personal. And I'll always ask like, you know, if it's new journalists or new people that I'm just meeting, like, hey, are you in LA or or if you're on the east side, can we jump on a call? Because I'd really like to get to know you. Like, I don't want to just be that person that's in your email box and like, you don't know who I am. So for me, it's also like really great to get very personal with them, know other projects that they're doing, support those projects, even if it's not something that's supporting my artists, because if they're out there supporting me, then I want to be out there supporting them. So I don't think that there's like, like you can get really creative, right? And do like funny memes and stuff. At the end of the day, I'm just not that person. Um, so for me, it's really getting out there and building those relationships and being there for them just as much as they're there for us. That is the ultimate advice right there because (laughs) no, for real, because like, I mean, you know, as a media outlet, like in a way this podcast, I mean, basically what I'm saying is I get a lot of emails from publicists or from people who just grab my email somewhere and I don't know Mm -hmm. where. (laughs) Um, I get a lot that I'm like, okay, you totally just blasted this. You didn't even put my name in it. You clearly think I'm an artist. You clearly think I interview only artists to talk about their music. I'm like, should I write them back and just (laughs) give them this feedback? So it would be really great if you can get, just get like, take a step further, get personal like you, and then build that relationship afterward. Because I mean, let's be honest, like if you're in this for the long run, you're most likely going to come across them again. Exactly. Yeah. You really have to do your research. And like, I've messed up. Don't get me wrong. I'm like, oh man, I have a typo. I put the wrong publication in that email, like blah, blah, blah. But you know, the best thing that I do is I just call myself out on it. Cause I'll like realize it immediately. I don't do like email blasts in like bulk. I write every email separately. I write, I call everybody separately. I don't do group things. Uh I make sure that I'm giving like every single person that I reach out to like their time. Cause that's what I'm asking for. But if I mess up, like I immediately either like hit them up by like calling or texting them or like send them an email and just be like, yep, I made like PR mistake 101. I messed up on that. I meant X, Y, and Z. And like, at the end of the day, we're all going to make mistakes. Right. Right. And if people are blasting us and like not understanding if we're a journalist or an artist, you know, or et cetera, like it's okay to do that, but learn from your mistakes. But if you're like continuously doing that, like I get that a lot, like, Hey, check out my beats. And it's like, if you're messaging me and saying, Hey, Cheyenne, 
you know, my beats are sick, check them out here. And that's it. I might click on it, but I'm probably going to delete it because you didn't even try to like introduce yourself to me or like get to know me or ask, like, ask me what you're looking for. And I think that that goes across the board. And at the end of the day, like we're all human and we all have an impact on the industry. And I think when we teach people or we like, uh, like appreciate people for like who they are, it will like pay off like a lot longer in the long run. Yes. So I could not agree more with that because honestly, it's even a step further um, than personalization. It's like being genuine um, too, because even when, so I'm in sales as well. So a lot of messages I get can be personalized, but then if I take a step further being like, okay, like they'll say like, oh, um, your podcast, like I I saw so-and-so on your podcast. I'm like, okay. So then I ask them a question and they're completely wrong. Like they don't even know what the podcast is. They just said that because they saw that was said on, you know, my LinkedIn, but then yep. they literally did not know anything about it, but they brought it up in an, a very non-genuine way. And it just looked just very odd and fake. And so yeah. I think, I think just taking the time to actually digest and when you research, not just you know, surface level, but get a little bit beyond there so that you can actually form that connection. Exactly. You, you've got to know what you're reaching out to, right? Like you've got to know what they're doing and like, it, it all goes like round in circles, right? Like if I want them to take the time to look at this release and get to know my artists, then we should be taking the time to like get to know them and like what they're doing. That's so true. And, um, I think, like in the short run, people are thinking, how can I save time? Okay, let me blast this out to everyone or let me send you my beats really quickly. But it's like, okay, you can make it go a lot further if you just put in a little bit of time in, in, in the upfront. But I think I think everyone's getting it where we're going at here. Yeah. So for Yeah Yup in particular, what placements help like impacted the performance and the success of that song? Yeah, so... Taylor Gang's team actually pushed a lot of like the digital side too, so that he got playlisted a lot. So like the streams for Yeah Yup individually went like insane, and that's yeah. hands on like their own digital team. But with that, we also got like Hip Hop DX and Hip Hop um, and more and Hot New Hip Hop and Rap Radar. There was a lot of placements and Grunge Cake at the time. There were a lot of placements that we got that just allows artists to promote and also you know, like we know who Fed the God is and obviously most of the world knows who Wiz Khalifa is. Um, But still, like, I think the best part with a lot of these media outlets is we're targeting audiences that um, may not know who those, like the artist is. So we're introducing the artist to like new audiences and then the artist is able to take all of that coverage, right? And like present it to either agents or if they want to get verified on social media or there's a lot of different ways that they can utilize that coverage to promote their project and at the time, right, like he wasn't signed to an agent. I think it might have been in like discussion, right, but it wasn't 100% confirmed. And so, you know, a lot of artists are able to take this press and just use it to get to the next level in like their career. And so that's one thing with Fed, right? Like he was so new, he didn't have a lot of press coverage. He had like a little bit. Um, and I think some of the ones that he had were more uh, Pittsburgh based. And so we were able to really expand like his network and like his audience reach and like his marketing uh, strategies by like providing him like all of like this press placement. So would you say that like a lot of what you're doing is 
well, I guess not just with this one, but just in general, are you constantly like researching other publications that and like their audiences <laughs> and where they're where they're at? Because I feel like there's so many. There are so many, and I think like the biggest advice too that I can give anybody as like being a publicist is like don't compare small publications or media outlets to big ones, right? Like they're both just as important. And the smaller ones, especially if they're supporting you from day one, are going to support you and like when they get like massive and stuff. So I do so much research into like, okay, what different publications minus like all the ones that everybody knows about can we like tap in with? You know, who's doing new playlists? Who's doing podcasts? Who actually has like a YouTube channel that we can pitch like these music videos to? Um, So yeah, I'm constantly researching and like, a lot of these publications, like the vet ones, right? Like Billboard and Pigeon the Playing Complex, they all have writers who have been there for years, but sometimes like the writers are rotating, right? And like they go on and do something new. So sometimes you'll get like the writers who are like, yeah. hey, like I'm leaving, like I'd love to introduce you to X, Y, and Z. But then sometimes you don't get that and you just get like, hey, I'm no longer here. You know, please reach out to like the contact email. So then I have to go back in and try to find new writers, um, but also working with like Taylor Gang. They have multiple releases a month typically. And then I also have other artists that I work mm-hmm. with. So like, I don't want to just hit up the same journalist every single week and be like, hey, can you cover all five of these releases? Like, mm-hmm. so you really have to like research again, like make those relationships, figure out who's doing what. Um, and I have like multiple connections at the same media outlet. It's not just like one. So constantly growing, constantly trying to see what we want to do. And I think PR is like always evolving and now we're like entering like this new digital side of it, especially with like social media. So if Mm -hmm. you can have some sort of crossover with it, I think that will really help. And I haven't quite taken on social media projects in general, but I definitely look at social media as like a promo opportunity. Like, do you have a TikTok channel that has, you know, a hundred thousand followers and you're doing promo on it and you can maybe like promote our music video. Like two years ago, that wasn't a thing and people weren't thinking of TikTok. But those are new things that I'm incorporating into like our campaigns and like, you know, playlisting even a little bit, even though, you know, Taylor Yanks pitching to digital and Spotify and like Audio Mac and like all the big ones, right? There's still playlist and publication opportunities that I can pitch to myself. And so it's a lot more than just getting, you know, your name in like a publication. And so if you can be 10 steps ahead and thinking of like, okay, this is what's new. Let's get on this train as well. I think you'll be super successful in it. So um, relationship building is very important. I guess in the delivery or the pitch, is there anything that absolutely needs to be in there or something that just needs like that the, I guess the media outlets or publications like absolutely want to see um, that could help? Okay. Yeah, definitely. So I think it's different for everyone, right? Like once everyone finds their groove, they kind of run with that. Um, But I think it's really important, especially if you don't know who the people are, not to just be like, hey, you know, Fed the Gods releasing this, we'd love to, if you would cover it, right? Like, I like to do a soft intro, especially if the people don't know me, um, to introduce who I am, um, what my company is, and like, why I'm reaching out. Because if we don't highlight that, and we're just like, hey, here's a release, it goes back to like, the beat conversation we had, right? Like, if you're not like, giving me a little bit more information, then I'm not going to take the time really to get to know this. So I think a good intro, especially if you don't know them, is key. Um, I've gone back and forth. Like in the beginning, I'll always be like, uh, hey, before we dive into it, if you have a few minutes to jump on a call or if you're located in LA, like 
I'd really love to chat with you some more. I'd love to introduce who I am, my project, but also learn more about your work and see what I can do to support you. Um, that's helped me a lot. And then I'll either do that in the beginning or at the end. And then um, one important thing is always highlighting like who the artist is, what the release is and when the release date is and like what you're asking for. So if I'm reaching out to like a YouTube channel, I'm not going to be like, hey, can you just support this? If they like highlight music videos, I'd be like, hey, Fed's getting ready to release a Yeah Yup music video on X day. Like we would love if we could get placed in your top 100 music videos if they have multiple channels. So it really goes back to like researching like everything that they do and making sure you know exactly what you want. Because if you're just like, hey, he's releasing this re release, we would love for you to check it out. It's like, what do you want from them? Like, do you want an interview from them? Do you want a review from them? Do you want to be in their newsletter? Like, do you want to be on the YouTube channel? So being very specific on who you are, why you're reaching out, what the release is and what you're asking for, and then making sure that there's links to everything. And so I like to link, I like to have like the pitch. And then at the end, I like to link everything and it will link them to the press release, to the artwork, to the private release, to any, you know, maybe socials or EPK or one sheets that they might need any information where it's like very easy for them to click and see everything that they need. That is like fantastic, honestly. And I'm <laughs> yeah. happy that you mentioned that you introduced yourself prior because I was actually going to ask that, um, providing that context and starting that relationship in that way is so much better than just sending a, Hey, I need this from you. Yep. Exactly. Am <laughs> I success rate when that happens, which doesn't really happen like that much anymore. Like maybe in like the beginning when I was like getting my feet wet was like zero. And I'm like, okay, I need to switch it up. And like I said, there's always creative things. Like I know some people who send funny memes and stuff. That's just like not my, I'm not good at that. So always like a clean <laughs> introduction and like making sure that they know who you are and like why you're reaching out. And sometimes I'll link like my portfolio, which is like our website and our socials so that before they dive into it, if they want to click on it and see like what we're doing, they have the ability to do that. And then I always um, and the email is like, if you have any questions, let me know if you need like anything else, please let me know. Phenomenal. And then, yeah. And, and so, um, I, I kind of understand your planning, how you basically your strategy that you use to warm them up and really make sure they have everything they need so that both of you guys understand why you're reaching out in the first place. Um, so what does the follow-up process look like? What, what is making you successful to hit results and your goals yeah. so definitely following up on release date um again like these people are getting hundreds of things and i think a lot of the editors will try to give the releases to people who want to pick it up or i'm um, talking directly to the writers and stuff and they have maybe 15 releases they have to work on that day right so always following up and making sure that they know that you're actually serious about this and you actually want this placement i think that's really key i think across the board for anything that you're doing in the industry, you should always follow up um, because I don't know what the statistics is, but I think you have to follow up like six or eight times, right? Until you actually wow. get an answer. Yeah. So I think following up is key. So I always follow up under these day. Um, if they don't hit me back, I'll follow up a couple of days later to be like, hey, you know, this was released, you know, last Friday. Since then, we've gotten placed in X, Y, and Z. Fed's actually gotten placed on this Spotify playlist. And then maybe even, you know, quote what somebody else has said about the release to like kind of give them motivation of like, okay, people are actually paying attention to this release. There's all the eyes like, you know, we should also be paying attention to this. So like trying to provide them more information to be like, 
hey, we really would love you to like support this and stuff. And then sometimes I get, you know, people who hit me back a week or so later and be, they're like, hey, Shine, like super, super sorry. Like my email box is at 600. We're still going to support this, you know, like, you know, well, this will be live next Tuesday. Or sometimes people hit me up and they're like, you know, we have so much going on this day. Is it okay if we release it the following Wednesday? And I'm like, yeah, of course. Post coverage is great. Keep the name, keep it rolling, keep it going. I never deny any of that. And so post coverage can be like very different. And then just following up like a week to two after and then being able to provide those analytics to the team is something really crucial on our end. So this might be a little bit odd, but I just know it's different by position and different industries. But like, when do you know, like etiquette, when to stop following up? Like whether if they're just like not answering or like, or like what is like the etiquette? So they basically don't just keep ghosting you in the future or their network keep ghosting you or, you know. Yeah. So I would say after like the third time, if they don't hit me back, I'm like, all right, they're not about it. I don't want to annoy them. Right. Like, Yes. These people, everyone is so busy. So like, just don't annoy them is number one. But if I'm not getting that feedback, I'm like, okay, either A, I need to find a different resource to this outlet or B, I need to scratch all of this and get them on the phone or like go take them to coffee, you know, get to that. I actually know them, see what they're about. Cause maybe like they've covered similar artists, but that's not actually like what they're super passionate about. They just got thrown into that position and had to have the coverage out. So maybe they'll have like different insight or a different connection. Like if they're not reaching out, there's probably a reason. So mm-hmm. after like the third or so time, like it's like, okay, I'm done following up. Let me figure out why they're not interested in this or why they're not getting back to me. Um, and then I go from there. So, and sometimes that has happened. And then sometimes it's really just like, hey, these people don't even know who Rose Projects are just yet. Yeah. So like, I've got to keep staying on top of it and sending them a few releases so they get familiar with my name and then other times it's like okay I need to find other connections to this outlet there's no right or wrong answer for it and I think that it really is you just have to figure it out on your own there's no rule book and it's like okay this worked this didn't work um and then when you find the things that do work you just stick with it so I'm just from in general, I feel like a lot of folks get nervous about following up or the way they follow up or the information that they follow up with. And so I think one thing that I took away from um, your convert, or, you know, what you were suggesting is the fact that you, if you're following up, you still bring substance. That's it, it's just different because, again, this comes back to the place that, you know, maybe folks aren't following up enough. Maybe they're just not mm-hmm. following up with the right information. So I think to your point, it's kind of just playing around um, to see what's working. Yeah, definitely. Figuring out what works for you. And I mean, there's times where, right, like, so your initial pitch is a little bit longer. And that's like one Mm -hmm. thing to keep in mind, too, is like, sometimes these guys don't want to read like a novel. So like, you're figuring out like, how can I word this in the best case scenario that's really going to sell the artist, but gets them to click on the press release where there's a lot more information. And so with the follow up, like I try to stick a lot shorter in the email so just like, hey, following up here, like some bullet points, X, Y, and Z, like love to hear from you. Talk soon. And then like the third follow up is like very brief. It's not like insane at all. Um, but yeah, you just figure it out. And it's crazy too, because like in the PR side of things, right? Like you want to provide all of this information, but I'm also working on the management side and managers yeah. are like two words 
And they're like, yeah, do it. And I'm like, do what? Like, <laughs> a little more information. So it's really crazy to see like the difference. But yeah, with the PR side, you have to provide enough information for them to like want to care and open up what yes. you're them. Yes, yes. Um, okay, so one more question towards that, actually. And this might be putting you on a spot or like, do you have a standard like subject line that may work <laughs> like to even open it? Yeah. <laughs> Great question. I think that it's different for Taylor gang. Um, everyone knows who Taylor gang is, right? Especially in the hip hop world. So it's a little different. I can really just be like, you know, Fed the God's release, Fed the God is releasing the Yaddy Up featuring Wiz Khalifa april whatever the date is right and then i'll always put taylor gang in the headline so people instantly see taylor guy taylor gang um and they'll click on it obviously if they see Wiz khalifa they'll know that too but at the time fed was still pretty new so we were introducing him to a lot of people now the industry really knows who fed the god is so it's different but if it's you know like a newer artist who isn't really well exposed or isn't signed to a label we really got to get creative with it sometimes you know saying like where they're from or what they're doing is like super key but I always add the artist the release the date and then like especially if they're signed to like a label like what that mm. label is so that those are all like trigger words and keywords I'm not just gonna be like hey Cheyenne is releasing yeah on February 27th 27th listen here like no one's gonna listen to it right. so um having like keywords where especially like dates because if somebody is super busy but I'm giving them like a three week window. Maybe that week they have deadlines to hit. So they're going to do like all their stuff that week. And then the following Monday, they'll circle back because they know they still have two weeks left. Um, so it's really trial and error. I've had some things work and then I've had some things like really not work. And I'm like, okay, I need to have, and that's what I've learned. I need to have the date in there, label if there is one artist and like what exactly the release mm, is. Okay. Yeah. And then like, as you get more familiar with who you're reaching out with, you'll understand what they care most about. Exactly. So, yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that's a good point when you're talking about maybe the location, because if it is a local, um, outlet, the location matters. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah. And that, that was makes one sense. thing with Fed is coming from Pittsburgh and like being out there, right. Is we're like, okay, let's target some Pittsburgh outlets. Right. So we targeted, um, so newspapers out there in Pittsburgh, uh, Post-Gazette and stuff. And so in that headline, in the subject line, you put Pittsburgh because they're like, oh, this artist is from Pittsburgh. I want to learn more. Then we got the coverage and then we got like an interview. Nice. So the subject line isn't the same. Like, yeah, yeah, fed the God. My subject line was different for some things, right? Like I really paid attention to what territory I was pitching to. So if I was pitching to Pittsburgh, I was going to put Pittsburgh in there. If I was pitching to, you know, more uh, nationwide, then I wouldn't necessarily maybe have to put Pittsburgh in there. I'm so happy. I asked that question. <laughs> yeah, It's going to help a lot of people. Let me tell you, <laughs> I hope so. Well, and also Sydney, it's kind of like the title of a chapter, the title of a book. Like it's always kind of one of the last like things and that you kind of stress about, like, how can I gather, grab their attention, but what's too much? Like, how, how do I make it creative without being too like out there too, yeah. kind of situation. And well, um, and you know what? I think professionally too, even if you're a publicist or you work in PR at all, and like think about internally when people are sending you emails with no information and you open it and it's like, 
And then when you try searching for it in your email, you're like, wait a second, how do I find this email? Yeah. It, had, it had no subject line. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I hope people aren't still doing that, sending emails without subject line. Oh my yeah. gosh. Or like, or something that has nothing to do with what's in the email, or they just respond to a chain that, and then start a new subject. It drives me crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Starting a new chain. Yeah. Keep everything on the same chain. <laughs> You're working with a lot of indie artists from Taylor Gang. So just kind of, you know, curiosity. So has there been anything like super memorable that you can share with us, like specifically working with the, these group of individuals? Or um, do you just have like any interesting memories that you can think about through working with the partnership? Um, I guess for me, it's just the experience as a whole, right? I went from working with a lot of electronic acts to like losing my job to like growing this company to like nailing Taylor gang. And like I said, like shout out to their team for even like believing in us. Like I owe everything to them and for taking the time and chance on us. But I think the experience as a whole is like the most memorable. Right. And I think, yeah, yep. Might be that one because I can remember sitting there thinking like, I can't believe I'm pitching a release that Wiz Khalifa is part of. Um, so the entire experience itself, really getting to know the team, um, it's a small team and they all really have each other's backs. And anytime they work with somebody, you can tell that they really care and they want to make sure that they're putting their all into release. And so being able to work with a team like that means so much because you can get to a lot of these bigger labels. And although I haven't had an insane experience with that, like you could just be another number, right. And like replaceable. And with this, it's like a lot more personable. Like I'm on their digital meetings. Um, They're having me connect with like their artists to like, you know, answer questions, do interviews or like write their bios or they're inviting me like if they are here in like LA. Um, so, you know, I've got lunch with them, some of them. Uh, Wiz had like his gaming thing that happened at the Triller house and they invited me and like they were all there and that's super cool. So I take even like the little things, like I'm so thankful for it. Like if I'm on the call, like on the phone with like an artist and having to like write their bio and ask them questions, I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this right now still. So for me, I, I would say it's like the entire experience itself. And I think I'll always have that energy until my last day because I know what it was like to have nothing and lose everything. And so every time an artist takes a chance on me or they're like, hey, we want to work with Rose Projects or like, hey, can Rose Projects do this? It, I'm really just so grateful. And it's like every time something new happens, I think that that's something that really stands out to me, big or small. Okay. That sounds amazing. And Taylor game team <laughs> sounds like a dream. I mean, one can yeah. only hope that even if you're not working fully internally as like a member of that team, it's nice that they incorporate you and include you on all of that. Like I've been in so many situations where people are withholding information from me because I'm not technically under their umbrella or something like that. And it's, it's caused like issues or delays. So like, that's really, really important and really cool to hear. Yeah. And mm-hmm. like, it is super cool. Not all teams have it, but their dynamic is really just like, if you don't know something, ask. And oh my gosh, I can't even believe I forgot about this. But the reason I actually got into the PR position is because I remember working on a different um, PR campaign that I was working on for Jay Shaman out of Denver. And I was like, I need a new contact to like the source and with somebody else. And so I made the Instagram post. I was like, does anybody have a contact to the source, like willing to compensate for it. And that's mm. when, uh, head of digital, uh, Taylor gang reached out to me and they're like, Hey, we might have six next. We also have this opportunity. So it's like really just like being with a team that wants you to grow and wants you to ask questions so that you can be like the best, because at the end of the day, like helps them be better too, is, 
it's crazy. And their team is really about that. And like, they have weekly meetings, but like, does anyone have any questions? Like, it's just crazy all around. So yeah. Um, I don't even know where I was going with that either. That's okay. Sounds crazy. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> I had a point so, to that, but. So I just want to, um, think about so for for the indie artist that can't afford anybody but wants to tackle this piece by themselves what is just out of all of the good information that we have went over today like what is one thing that you could really just state um if you wanted it to hit home for somebody that's listening yeah that they can so, work on yeah i would definitely work on your brand overall so like actually knowing like who you are what your brand is um and what like your style of music is where you want to go like what are your goals and who's like your audience and like your targets because I'll get like I still get a lot of artists and like that's like one thing that I'll pride on is even I have artists right now where I'm like hey you're not ready for PR let's sit down and have a creative session though go through a lot of things that I think that you could potentially work on go through the things that you are doing right now and let's create like a game plan together and I'm doing that with one artist actually this upcoming week. Like we've already had two sessions. He came to me. He was like, hey, I want to do PR. I looked at his socials. Like I couldn't even really understand what his brand is. His music was kind of like this side, this side. His numbers were like very low, like 60 to 100 followers, I think on Spotify, which you have to start somewhere. So I'm not knocking that. But I was, you know, positive in saying like, hey, we need to work on some things until like you're ready for this. Because not only do like, do I not think you're ready for this? But like, if you're going to spend this money for a PR campaign, I want to be honest and saying like, I think you can spend this money elsewhere, get to the numbers into the brand that you need to be at, and then come to like a PR campaign. Because I know what some of these people are looking for. And if you don't have some of those numbers, or you're not quite sure what your brand is, like, they're not going to take a chance in like covering it, even if I have the relationship. And so I think being able to really understand like who you are, what your brand is, have some sort of like backing to like, Hey, you know, I'm, you know, selling out this 200 cap venue. Like, I think I'm ready for like PR. I have X amount of releases. I've gotten on some of these very indie playlists. Like, can you help me create like a PR campaign? I think having some sort of like ammo to really come to like a publicist and be like, I think I'm ready. Um, and I really pride people who are able to tell them like, Hey, you're not ready. Let's sit down and have this creative session. And I love that side too. Like I love helping them like figure out their brandy and like who they are because we obviously have that division too. And so I think there's those two sides, right? Like making sure that you have like the numbers, understanding who your brand is and you're actually ready for it. Because if mm -hmm. not, you should be taking that money and using, the, using it elsewhere for like promo or merch or like mm -hmm. touring. Um, I think there's a lot of different things. And I think for indie artists, that's one thing they lack is the money, right? Like everyone wants to sign to like this big label because they have the networks and they have all the money. But if you're an indie artist, you're kind of struggling with that. So I think it's very key um, to pay attention to what you're using your money for and understanding exactly who you are. Yes, that's, yeah. a, that's a good piece of advice. Um, so we just have a few last questions. Um, what do you want to be known for? <laughs> what do I want to be known for? Um, I think the older I get, I want to be known for like the person that inspired people to chase their dreams. Um, I think I've been through like a lot of failures in life and like, I've always managed to like get back up and like keep going forward. And I think that that has allowed a lot of other people to be inspired and start like these side projects or maybe um, something that they're super passionate about. But I always want to be known for that person that people can call and like 
brainstorm with, get creative with, ask for like help. You know, I want to be that person that maybe connects the dots for somebody so that their dreams come true. Um, I, the older I get, the more I'm realizing that like, I love helping people. And like, I love helping people with like their creative side of things, whether it's like music or fashion or like, maybe they want to start a blog and they're just not sure. And I have this experience. So I'm like, Hey, these are the steps you should take. So as long as I'm helping people win, I'm winning. And I think that's something that I always want to be known for is like helping the artist get to the next level and always believing in them because I knew what it felt like for someone to believe in me. So that's incredible paying it forward. And we can yeah. totally tell, like I sense <laughs> at the moment I virtually met you. <laughs> thank you so much. Honestly, yeah, this was so great. I'm so happy that we were able to talk about what you're doing and we're really looking forward to seeing more of it. Yeah. Thank you guys for thinking of me. And I'm super excited that you guys are doing something incredible. So incredible. So I'm really excited to share your guys' network with mine as well. Yes, let's definitely stay in touch, of course. Um, Let's not make this the end. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the Setup Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please review the Setup on Apple Podcasts. And I encourage you to share this episode with your friends and colleagues. If you have any topic recommendations or questions, please visit us at www.thesetupseries.com.